when I, you know, obviously 21 years old in the prime of your life, um, never in a million years think this would, would happen to you or anything remotely like this going into your senior year. And obviously I was, you know, that was one of the, you know, hardest things to swallow was obviously, you know, you're paralyzed and, um, you know, you're knocking on death's door. And, and quite honestly, I, I know I left this out, but when all this happened, my, you know, they, the doctors kind of called my mom on the ride up and said that y'all, you know, that I can't imagine being a parent getting this call at, you know, they're, they're in Gulfport working both my mom and dad and they get a call that says their son probably isn't going to make it. And they needed to like, hurry up and get up there. To the top. It's the mantra of Southern Miss. Its history is full of David versus Goliath moments of overcoming the odds and sounding the attack. Everyday Eagles taking on anyone, anywhere, anytime. Beating the odds, being knocked down and getting back up. Creating a legacy, changing lives. Making history, both on and off the field. These are Southern Miss Stories. You know, growing up, me and my dad really just, you know, we played a lot of sports, played all the sports as a young kid, really loved and, and had a passion for all the sport. And then just working on the farm, my dad had me up early in the mornings as a young kid. I never got to enjoy the sleeping in Saturdays that some of my friends had. So I always enjoyed going over to my friend's house because staying the night because that meant I got to sleep in past six on Saturday. But my dad, from a young age, you know, really instilled work ethic and just kind of getting outside. I mean, I never, like I said, I, I, at the time it was funny. My friends, a lot of my friends made fun of me, but, you know, I didn't have, ever, wasn't allowed to have video games or really stay inside much and watch TV. I had to get outside and help. And we had a lot of fun. You know, we went on lots of vacations, played a lot of sports. Just uh, that was kind of what. I guess my childhood was centered around, I didn't really necessarily love working on the farm too much um, per se, but I definitely loved getting to compete and play from a young age. It de definitely was never something that I had to force or really be introduced to at all. I kind of naturally just gravitated towards competition and, and sports. So that's kind of um, short story. You know, I, I had two great parents, They've been married for over 35 years now. So they've really instilled in me good, uh, a good, great childhood, honestly. Um, they both were there for me through everything and really still have been throughout my whole life. So I can't thank them enough for really just showing me how it is to be grow up and be a man. And um, every day from a young age, like I said, they're always there for me. So. I feel like I kind of gravitated towards baseball pretty early on, honestly. Um, mainly, I think because my dad—that's he played that just in high school, and um, that's kind of what he knew, I guess. Um, and obviously, baseball is a big sport, so a lot of my friends played, and I just kind of gravitated towards that. Maybe a little more than some of the other sports, but played all of them as a kid growing up um, until high school, and then, you know, once I kind of got close to high school, um, I really started to see that I had potential to play in college. And obviously every, every kid wants to play professional ball and, you know, you don't want to be the naive kid that, you know, especially that when you get in high school that wants to be a professional baseball player, because we all hear how difficult it is. But, you know, I, that was my dream. 100%. I, I still had, that was my dream job. Anytime anybody ever asked me, I didn't, didn't shy away from saying it. Um, even though I knew how hard it was to get there. But yeah, I really kind of, uh, it was just kind of my niche, I guess. Um, 
you know, I kind of just grew a passion for it. And then I really wanted to be good at something. Um, and so I wanted to really focus on baseball and make sure I was preparing myself to be able to play in college and have the opportunity to go play professionally. My sophomore year of high school, actually, I pitched a lot. And so I actually had like a bone defect in my elbow to that forced me to miss my whole sophomore year of high school. So that was I, I played as a freshman and then I had to miss my whole sophomore year of high school, which was, you know, obviously for those those are kind of your formidable years and getting recruited and things like that. And so that really set me back missing a whole baseball season as far as um, and especially coming off playing my freshman year. I feel like um, I had some you know some good looks early on to be a ninth grader you know uh and then i just kind of missing out your sophomore year kind of set you back so your junior year which is kind of really the year you get recruited was kind of like my sophomore year as far as catching up with hitting and everything missing a whole year so that kind of set me back but you know i came back uh really didn't pitch after that point started um started just kind of playing in the infield and you know, moving forward from there, just wanted to play, had the opportunity to play college baseball. At that point, you know, I had a pretty good junior season, but knew going into my senior year, it was going to be just kind of difficult to to land a big scholarship somewhere, just just due to not really being seen, I guess, um, too much. Because I feel like after my sophomore year, I kind of had just fallen off the radar, I guess. So it kind of took me a little bit to get back, but. Really, I had a few offers from some small Division One schools out of high school, but um, really, you know, my goal growing up was to play in the SEC, to be honest with you. Um, my dad went to Mississippi State, so we went to a lot of the Mississippi State baseball games, and obviously being an hour away from Hattiesburg, we went to some Southern Miss games as well. So um, always enjoyed going to Southern Miss. And then obviously as a kid, you always want to play at the highest level, So, or at least I did. So, you know, that was my dream was to play at the the biggest school um, and have the best competition and best chance to be seen and make it to the next level and have the best college experience. But um, at that time, I kind of realized that that wasn't going to be possible, but that was still my goal. So I didn't want to sign with a smaller D1 and kind of that be where I was stuck for four years that, you know, we don't we don't have the transfer. We didn't have the transfer portal like we do now. So, you know. There was it was kind of once you signed the dotted line, you, it seemed like you were going to be there. So I obviously wanted to play at somewhere like Southern Miss or Mississippi State or you know somewhere big like that. So I felt like junior college was was an option for me at that time, you know. And I don't even know how they do it anymore, to be honest with you. But you know, you kind of had to go to wherever district you were in or or somewhere along the lines of that if you were going to junior college. So. Obviously, the coast is kind of in Mississippi Gulf Coast's district, I guess you'd say, for recruitment-wise. So that was kind of the – and obviously, they were really good at that point. So that was kind of the option if I wanted to go to junior college. I know Jones started to be really good at that time um, with Coach Ostrander there. So, But it was kind of like almost had to kind of go to, to a perk if you want to. And that's what we call Mississippi Gulf Coast's perk. Honestly, most people don't know it as Mississippi Gulf Coast. But – um, it, it was that was kind of the option. Coach Gary Roth, who pitched at Mississippi State and was actually a first-round draft pick for the Dodgers, was the coach at the time for um, for Perk and Gulf Coast. So he recruited me, and Coach Long as well was there. And so they kind of, you know, that was my option. I know you could play two years, and I know there was some people before me. And you know, gr growing up and knowing just kind of the landscape of junior college baseball, if you have you know, a good first year, a good second year, you have a really good opportunity for a lot of these schools to kind of need, There's, they're always in need of a couple position players, it seems like, to kind of fill in, because um, obviously you have great experience. I mean, I know at Perk, we played uh, Tim Anderson, who's now, you know, one of the best players in the major leagues for the White Sox. And so we played against him five or six times, both of my years at Perk. So there was really good competition, really good pitching. And you got to have a lot of at-bats right out the gate. So that was another pro to it is like you're going to step right in as a freshman and play. 
and so and then hopefully have an opportunity to transfer somewhere so that was kind of my that was the reason i guess i chose to go to perk was just kind of um that that experience to have get some playing time early and um, be able to have the opportunity to play at a bigger school late and so they offered me a scholarship and um i mean it was a great two years at at Mississippi Gulf Coast. I really wouldn't trade it for anything. The end of my freshman year, I tore my rotator cuff at, at in junior college. I was making a throw at the, towards the end of my freshman year. And actually it was probably like two weeks, two or three weeks left in the season and tore my rotator cuff, ended up finishing the year at just DH and only. Um, and then I had surgery as soon as the season was over and that was going into my sophomore year. So I didn't really have any opportunity to transfer at that point. And then rehabbed all fall and all winter and then came back and I was barely ready. I mean, rotator cuff rehab is very difficult. I mean, that's definitely even after all my stuff, I say that was the hardest rehab for sure. At the end of that year, I was able to be ready to go really close towards the season of my sophomore year so i've still actually played first base a little bit at the beginning of the year just because i was still kind of rehabbing my arm but slowly moved back to shortstop towards the end of the year and one day i remember i got a call from coach kaye and um i think coach roth had kind of prepped me that he said that southern miss was interested and may expect a phone call from them um and then at, i think the same week uab had off had actually offered me a scholarship as well and that was kind of when it, things started to roll, get started rolling for me. And then Coach Kaye called, and obviously when I when I figured out who it was, and he was from Southern Miss and everything, I was very excited. That's kind of what I was waiting on was kind of that type of school to to call, and especially Southern Miss, and with all their history and everything, and just me being growing up around the area and such a rich baseball tradition and obviously they're really good so um talked me said that they you know needed a third baseman and um that you know they had watched me play at perk and were kind of following me throughout the summer and so he offered me a scholarship there and long story short um you know it wasn't too long before i committed um and called coach kaya back and said you know we're coming i mean thank i think that was you know kind of the goal was really hoping that they would kind of come through and hopefully give me that call so it was once once it happened it, it wasn't too long before you know I was committing so that was probably mid that was probably July at some point so it was a quick turnaround for sure from day one getting on campus um, it, it was a phenomenal experience I mean I think everybody all the past players that will do any interviews in any sport to be, to be honest with you they say what they missed the most is the locker room so I had a lot of great friends still have still talk to all my teammates pretty routinely I mean we have a big fantasy football league and um, we have a great we had a great time from the beginning so it was, it was a phenomenal experience just being able to have the opportunity to get your education and play baseball at Southern Miss and then make some of your best friends I mean obviously it's one of the best best experiences you can have so I'm very grateful and thankful for to have that opportunity so that day we were headed to um, we were headed we were doing kind of a different type of challenge called like an Omaha challenge and you know all the teams come up with different slogans and things like that so to kind of motivate you in the fall so I feel like we kind of came up with this um, little challenge where they split us off into teams and we were supposed to show up to the rock at 5 30 and that was pretty routine to to have morning workouts in the off season early morning workouts before class started and everything so some days would be in the weight room some days would be on the football field doing you know stuff this time was a little different we had never done anything like this before um, they didn't really we kind of did like a draft of teams um, with the, with four captains I think I remember is what it was and we have we'd have different exercises and different challenges and things like that so this morning they kind of told us to show up at 5:30 and at the rock and they didn't really give us much information about what it was going to be so we all kind of just 
as we always did, just kind of rolled out of bed and, and got to the field, um, got to the rock. And so we got there and they kind of had a, an assortment of things kind of set out. Um, we could tell it was going to be kind of like an obstacle course. So we kind of decided amongst our team what, who was going to do what. And so, you know, there was multiple different, you know, it really had to divvy it up two or three of guys on the team would do this exercise, two or three of the guys on the team would do this exercise, and you ultimately would be competing against the other three or four or however many teams there were as a as a group um, to see who won. So that was kind of the, the goal that morning was just to kind of get after it and um, prepare in the off season. We had like a probably a 200 plus pound telephone pole um, just a wooden kind of cylindrical type telephone pole. And, you know, our goal was to carry it a hundred yards and back. So however we could do that. And we kind of talked about, you know, how we were going to go about the exercise, whether we were going to, you know, try to have three people on it versus two people on it. But, um, it was really too short to have three people on it. Cause we kind of picked it up on our shoulders and, we were we weren't really given any instruction about like what you were supposed to do. You kind of just said figure it out, whatever whatever way you thought best. So we kind of just had a minute to kind of like pick it up and decide on what would be the most efficient way to carry this to not get hurt and things like that. And that's kind of ironic thing was we kind of discussed um, some of that stuff. Just obviously not expecting anything like was going to happen, but as far as just our shoulders and tripping over people, so we kind of got three people underneath there and it was just your legs were so close together that you would just trip on each other so it was kind of impossible so all the teams that did this exercise kind of decided to do two people and have the third person kind of there as well to switch in and out or whatever and so you know we pick the telephone pole up and and you know take off when it gets to our turn and obviously it's like a kind of a heated competition so people are doing burpees and running two laps around and then it's kind of like an obstacle course and you get to the next team who's doing like a tire push or something like that. I can't really remember all the exercises, but then it got to our team. So it's kind of like a race. And so we're going down, we go a hundred yards down and we're coming back and it's early in the morning on turf. And to be quite honest with you, I don't really to this day remember how it actually happened. I don't know if, uh, I don't even remember if I was wearing cleats or not to be honest. I don't think, I don't think we're all wearing turfs, but, um, I don't know if my foot slipped or if just lost balance or what happened to actually cause the fall. But um, ultimately, I was on the front and my partner was on the back and my my end of the pole went down. And from, you know, this is just from other people telling me what happened after the fact. I kind of, I guess, slid forward and like I said, my end of the pole went down and then the back end kind of flipped over and you know, my head kind of landed right in the striking zone and the end of the pole kind of smashed my head against the ground. And so that was kind of the, that's kind of how it happened. I definitely don't remember anything after the hit. I remember, like I said, I remember kind of like the starting the exercise, but I don't really remember anything. I don't even hardly remember running or, you know, carrying or running with the pole. I just remember kind of like starting and that's really it. Um, the next thing I remember was waking up in Forest General for a split second and it was, it's very foggy, but it's kind of funny because, you know, I grew up, like I said, uh, both, I'm very thankful for both my parents. They grew me up in to, you know, seek God and have a, have a faith with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, so that was always that my faith was always a really big part of my life. And my pastor back home, Tony Carnes at Michael Moore Baptist, he I just remember I had a really good relationship with him growing up and still do to this day. And I, I just remember him, my mom, my dad standing over my bed. And I don't even really I just remember like I think my mom was like crying and um, I can just remember it was a very solemn feeling. Um, and I don't even really know if I knew what was going on, I just knew something bad had happened, but obviously it was, it's just like a faint memory and I, it's not even anything I can, I weren't able to say anything or really, it's just, I I 
vividly remember the the three people who were there and then that's it um and then really the next time i guess that i remember anything would be at when i was taken to umc in jackson and um probably two day two or three days later waking up kind of i guess out of a coma to just kind of like groggy and it kind of slowly started to clear up for me kind of what had happened so that's kind of i guess the memory part of it i've kind of been able to go back and talk with some neurologists now that i'm in the medical field and uh really kind of go through my injury medically and you know at the time you don't you're a baseball player you know you just you don't really know much so um you don't know all the technical terms and everything but now it's it's now i understand i guess all the stuff but pretty much in layman's terms you know i had a subarachnoid hemorrhage which is pretty much a really bad bleed a very dangerous bleed in your brain um it's just it can come from a obviously head trauma um, but other things can cause it as well but um ultimately i had fractured multiple of my bones in my head including i had a basilar skull fracture from ear to ear and then multiple fractures throughout the inside of my skull you have a lot of bones inside of your skull and even my cheekbone is fractured i guess from just the um penetration and trauma that kind of had radiated throughout my skull when it hit on the ground and so i had a lot of a lot of injuries intracranially um obviously the bleeding in the brain is the most um scary thing and things that can kill you at first so i think that was kind of the immediate thing was to see how how severe the bleeding was and if it was going to compress other structures in the brain which can cause you know many different issues and you know I'll save all that for another day but um that was kind of the main scary thing um was that and then you know after the fact I had there's obviously many nerves and vessels that are going through your brain so I had multiple cranial nerve palsies or deficits as you'd say but um there's different nerves that kind of control different functions of your eyes and taste and all that kind of stuff so um ultimately I couldn't move my face my whole face was paralyzed uh, that was cranial nerve 7 and so um whenever the pole impacted me it kind of damaged those nerves in my head so I could like I said I couldn't smile, I couldn't blink. So all that nerve kind of controls all of your facial movements. So um it was really difficult to move my lips to eat. I definitely I couldn't blink at all. I couldn't smile or move any part of my face. And then my left eye as far as moving it, I couldn't it was stuck. So it was pretty much like the muscles would not work to move it left to right. So my left eye was stuck i could move my right eye normally so i was really cross-eyed and it caused really bad double vision at first so um and then i had a fracture multiple bones in my ears that kind of caused really bad ringing and um you know that was kind of the extent but the main the main thing at initially was kind of that i dealt with for you know when they brought me to Jackson and kind of stabilized me in the in the ER and then brought me up to the near ICU you know obviously was kind of in a coma for two or three days and um they did multiple tests you know angiograms and CTs and re, you know MRIs things like that just to make sure the bleeding was not getting worse and so that was kind of the goal at first was to kind of put out that fire and then kind of deal with the the next stuff as we kind of went probably one of the most inspirational things that happened during as far as people coming in to visit me or I guess that meant the most to me obviously my family comes first and friends and everything that I have a relationship with but coach Todd Munkin at the time who was our football coach um I was I was probably my last day at the hospital maybe my second to last day and I was kind of getting ready to where not that I was fully healed by any means but I you know the in the kind of realm of the hospital it's like once you are stable to go home there's no and they're not really doing anything that you can't do at home you know they don't there's no reason to keep you in the hospital so they want to get you out there's so many different infections and things you can get from being in the hospital so as soon as you can go home they want you to go home so um but I I remember kind of starting to barely stand up and try to just walk to the door and back and 
it was one of my last days and Coach Munkin came by and, and to be honest with you, I had never even met him before. Um, I had seen him on campus at, at, at different things, but obviously, you know, being the football coach, he's, you know, he's got his own thing going on. And, and so I'd only been there a year anyway. So I hadn't really ever, ever personally met him. And he, he came by the hospital and probably sat with me for 30 minutes. And that was really cool to just, to know, to have somebody that I had never even really met before really reach out and obviously you know he was a big time coach and so um and you know we were really good in football and i know that that was in the middle of football season i mean think about it that was in october and for him to take the time to stop by and see a baseball player that he had never met before um it just really showed how good of a person he was and um, it really did mean a lot to me like i said i i i vividly remember that and that was one of the moments and not that he gave me like an inspirational speech and I don't even really remember much of what he said other than him just being here. But I just remember that that at that point in my life, I was, you know, those those couple of days after I started to regain everything, it, it was it was difficult to swallow what had just happened. Um, I, I, I it probably took me months to fully process what happened. So two months, I mean, I was just overwhelmed with just everything i couldn't even rationalize what had even happened yet and so to have him come and uh, just talk to me was was an inspiration to kind of spar um or spur me on to want to come back and not that i had really any i guess it wasn't me making the comeback as far as you know willing myself to get better you know that was in god's hands obviously but um mentally that was just a big help for him to come by and kind of be an inspiration and a light. And yeah, it just meant a lot to me. Now coming home when I, you know, obviously 21 years old in the prime of your life, um, never in a million years think this would, would happen to you or anything remotely like this going into your senior year. And obviously I was, you know, that was one of the you know hardest things to swallow was obviously you know, you're paralyzed and, um, you know, you're knocking on death's door. And, and quite honestly, I, I know I left this out, but when all this happened, my, you know, they, the doctors kind of called my mom on the ride up and said that y'all, you know, that I can't imagine being a parent getting this call at, you know, they're, they're in Gulfport working both my mom and dad, and they get a call that says their son probably isn't going to make it. And they needed to like, hurry up and get up there. Um, if you wanted to see him before he passed away. So that was kind of the, the immediate, uh, threat and it was very serious and so um, that obviously is number one but then you know as I swallowed that pill of it being just kind of having all these just life deficits you know my baseball career is over and obviously that was so big in my life and I you know I had just come off a good ending to my junior year at Southern Miss and, and then coming back for my senior year um, at third base was really excited to kind of be a leader on the team and kind of you know do like we always do every year and head for a regional. And um, so to kind of have your baseball career also taken away was, was obviously not as quite a big a deal as saving your life. But for me, that was, a, that was a huge deal to swallow too, that I was, you know, done playing. And so getting home, you know, I obviously dropped out of college. I had one year left. So I, all the class I was in, I had to drop. My mom and dad both stopped working and stayed at home with me. It, it was hard. I had to, I mean, I had to, my mom had to help me eat. I only could eat like grits and yogurt. She had to help me take a shower because they ended up having to sew my left eye completely shut with stitches because I couldn't blink it. So I was, you know, they literally ran, you know, nine or 10 stitches through my eyelid. So it was sewn shut. So it wouldn't damage my eye because I couldn't blink. My right eye could blink a little bit, but they had to put some Botox in it and put like a weight on it to help me blink, but they didn't have to completely shut that one. So I was pretty much blind, um, couldn't couldn't really talk, couldn't really eat. Um, my parents had to help me shower. Um, I pretty much stayed on the couch all day long. I had excruciating headaches um, that I took pain medicine for, but it was, unlike anything else and they would come for every four hours just 10 out of 10 and just kind of sitting there and the thing was I was completely with it mentally so that was the hardest part was kind of swallowing everything that had happened to me 
and you know my it was really tough to you know i could tell my parents were having a struggle with it as well i mean seeing their son in that state you know is very emotional and so you know seeing them hurt was just you know icing on the cake as far as kind of all everything i had to deal with but you know i couldn't really watch tv couldn't really do anything honestly i just kind of had to sit there in my thoughts sleeping was like my one time to kind of escape so i love when i went to sleep but um you know that kind of happened that was kind of the state i was in for for a while and obviously we would be coming back to jackson two or three times a week for checkups and repeat scans and everything like that and um their outlook was kind of grim to be honest with you um they kind of told me at first that as far as my you know the bleeding had had resolved in my immediate danger of like living was obviously kind of under control but the big thing was just like the paralysis in my face and blinking and you know having any sort of like quality of life was kind of just up to hoping it comes back and they pretty much said there's no procedure they can do there's nothing that really can help you get it back other than just time and they gave me about 8 to 11 months and they said after after that you kind of have what you have and you would kind of be with that the rest of your life so you know in my head I'm like okay I got 8 to 11 months and I I don't know what to expect and I think that's the hardest thing was obviously you want that chance for things to come back and so that was a blessing that it had an opportunity that it wasn't just like you know this is it but by the same token it's really hard to live that way and it's a good life lesson in general but um to kind of not know what to expect so i didn't know whether to have hope or not and i didn't want to have hope and then be let down versus just kind of accepting the state i was in and starting to move forward so it's hard because there wasn't any you know all the other injuries i had had in the past i was able to rehab and put forth effort and work out and run and get back in and do my part and my part was pretty much just sitting there so that was difficult to not have any action or active work to kind of help myself get better cuz you know I love to be honest with you I kind of love therapy and and working out and trying to come back from something and putting your effort into it and so having to kind of just wait on God was was a very difficult thing for me so you know that was the i guess the immediate struggles was that um in the in the first few months of the recovery was just kind of i lost like 20 pounds like i said and just kind of dealt with headaches and boredom was a big thing i mean i definitely think i was in some state of depression for sure you know if you can just imagine being 21 and having your whole life ripped out and not knowing if you know you'd be living with your mom the rest of your life so that's that's uh that's that's a that's a eye-opening experience and you know the really the the thing that got me through that point was definitely my faith in in God for sure and there were many days that I definitely said you know why did this happen have to happen to me like you know and I kind of had you know obviously I at a young age I asked Jesus into my life to be my savior but um we all you know spend our life trying to grow and be closer to God and grow our faith and so we have different experience that helped that and i think this was such a monumental experience for me because you know at first i i definitely questioned god and um just kind of tried to understand like what was the purpose of this i just couldn't find i couldn't understand and um really just took praying and understanding and i think about 2 or 3 months into the into being at home and being dropped out of college and no improvement at all I was in the same state I was when it, on October as I was by Christmas time and so I really had to deal with those emotions and um like I said I, my pastor would come over often and we'd just talk about things and talk to my mom and obviously they were so supportive of me my parent my mom and dad were the best parents you could ever ask for they were um I get emotional thinking about it but they were they were there for me every single day every hour and um sacrificed everything they had to for me so um I do during that time though I I realized that 
this was an opportunity that yes it sucks for me and you know this is an unfortunate circumstance for me but i can kind of carry this attitude of why did this have to happen to me poor pitiful me you know that's the easy that's the easy thing and and nobody really would blame you to be honest with you but it's not it wasn't really doing anything and i'd have my friends come over and it was just kind of always a sad time you know i used to have cut up with my buddies and have a great and i was always a very positive guy and so i think um for the most part you know dealing with that and kind of realizing that you know we don't really live living out my faith kind of how i'd always learned and so you know learning that this life is not is not about your comfort or you know your well-being or happiness you know we're here and you know only temporary and so i was just going to i decided that i remember like this specific day i just kind of said i'm i'm done kind of having this attitude i'm tired of being down in the dumps and kind of just and i said i don't care if i get better one ounce if i'm the same as i am now as i am in 20 years i said i'm done feeling like that and i kind of turned the script a little bit and kind of said what how can i use this experience to not only enhance and grow my faith and relationship with god and what is he trying to show me in this circumstance cuz i feel like he always uses you know obstacles and seasons and times in the wilderness to to kind of shape your faith and sharpen your character and so and not only that but how can i use this as a testimony to share with my friends and my family and you know just other people that this story has gone out to that it could really impact and so at that point i kind of changed the narrative i guess and that was the that was the step that i kind of feel like changed it for me and you know that was like i said it was probably two two and a half months into into after the accident that that kind of change happened with me and from that point i just woke up every day thankful to be alive and how can i you know make make other people better and use this experience to to grow one of my favorite books of the bible um is james and so um it's a verse that a lot of people have heard but you know going through and actually reading the whole context of it i challenge anybody that's listening to this to to go do it cuz you hear this you see the first verse is kind of plastered and it's very common but if you know the context and kind of keep reading even further you, it just opens your eyes to even more wisdom but um it's james 12 and it says count it all joy my brothers when you meet various trials for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing and obviously it kind of goes into more stuff but that was kind of the the first bit of verse and it's it's just kind of shocking to me that that he says you know count it all joy he doesn't say when you meet various trials to grind it out or to just push through or to you know all the things we think about just make it to the other side that like it's it's going to get better you know he says count it all joy and that's this that is eye opening to me and our perspective in this world is just so different than god you know we're we're living for happiness and we're living for our comfort and what makes us you know successful or happy and that's just not how god designed us and that's not how god lived by any means and you know i realized that really trials and tribulations and you know tough obstacles are the, are the only way to grow it's the only way you know when you're on the mountaintop and things are going good i can't think of one time in my life where that has produced you know pr- produced me to grow or be better that's not meaning i'm always wanting to be in the valley and everything bad happen to me by any means but um you know when you read stuff like this it's like you know that there is a purpose behind this and it's not for our happiness but it's for our character and it's for us to grow into a something that we can't even fully quite grasp and understand but we know and it might not be it might not ever be better for us on this earth but you know it's better for us and our character and our relationship with God and so when you kind of it's all about perspective and i realized i realized that as well it's just perspective kind of will change you altogether you know I, i even when i was in the hospital up here you know I, when i started able to walk around um and you go over to the bats and children's hospital and you see some of these kids that had never even left the hospital and you know I'm sitting here 
down in the dumps. But, you know, I've, I've had even the short 21 year life that I've had. I, I'm so thankful for every experience that I had. And some of these kids haven't even got outside of these walls. And so it really just puts you into perspective when you start kind of feeling sorry for yourself, I guess. I guess it was mid-January, close to my birthday. You know, it was a little over three months. And I woke up one morning, and this was at my home in Socher. And like I said, I had not even enrolled in classes for the spring, you know. And so I was kind of just on the sidelines still. And I woke up one morning, I felt like a little twitch in my lip. Something I hadn't experienced. And so it was early in the morning. I ran into, like I was a little kid on Christmas, ran to my mom's room and um, this was, like I said, it woke her up. She was very early in the morning and told her that I thought that my lip was moving and she came and looked in the mirror and she agreed and it had like a, the littlest little twitch in my left lip. And so, you know, and during this time I'm steadily seeing therapists. And so the goal was to kind of tell your brain to continue to tell your muscles to move, even though you can't smile, you can't blink, you can't do anything, tell your brain to t keep doing it. So I'm working with stroke patients and you know a lot of elderly people that are you know dealing with similar stuff not the same exact thing by any means but you know rehab and um so i'm i'm working next to you know 85 year old men and women so it's it was it was kind of a funny but um just trying to tell my brain to keep telling my muscles to work so if it ever did come back you wouldn't lose that pathway that was the kind of long or short story of uh, the goal of that. So, um, over the next two or three months, my f the strength in my face started to slowly come back day by day, week by week. I started to be able to blink my eye more. They took the stitches out of my left eye. Um, I still had to get some Botox here and there because I couldn't blink it all the way. Um, and so, uh, just kind of working with the therapist slowly started to gain some of that back. I started my headache started to go away a little bit. Um, I I wasn't able to, ha I was able to go, you know, a whole day without taking pain medicine. And then I started just kind of walking up and down the driveway, walking in our hay field, just try trying to gain some strength. Like I said, I lost 20, 25 pounds, just tried to start getting somewhat active again. And I didn't know what that meant. Like I said, when it first came back, they said it could come back 10%, 50%, 100%. Just didn't know. So just just because it started to come back, that wasn't like it was going to come all the way back. So I still didn't know exactly what I was going to get. But obviously having that was in itself positive for me and gave me kind of a little jump start there. So, you know, it got on into May. And when my when I, all that stuff started to come back, I... I contacted one of my professors at Southern Miss and Dr. Pyland, who's taught kinesiology at the time. And um, he I reached out to him and told him that, you know, I, at that time I could start to read a little bit and things started to come back and I asked if I could come work with him and maybe finish one of my classes. Because just my personality, I just, I needed, I needed a win. I needed something to kind of give me a win. And so I was like, if I could just do one class, that's it. So my mom drove me up to Hattiesburg every every other day. It's only an hour drive. She would drive me. He would meet with me one-on-one -on -one in his office and um, help me finish that class that spring. And so he would spend, he didn't have to do that. He didn't get paid anything extra. And so that's another that was another experience that really really shaped me and helped propel me. So I'm always thankful for him for that and. Um, but got finished that class, like I said, started just kind of rehabbing a little bit and um, would go to the games with the team. Um, at that point, towards the end of the season, about April, May, I started to kind of show up to the locker room and um, would I wouldn't go to practice ever really, but I would you know go to some of the home games and just kind of um, be around some of the guys and everything. And that was very helpful to kind of just somewhat get back in the somewhat of a the routine or a normalcy I guess I'd say and so still at that point I never thought I'd play baseball um, I just had too many things going on and, and I was you know a senior I didn't even know like it was just too it seemed like too big of a mountain at that point 
and then the end of may started started come and like i said i really started to gain some of my strength back and um started to, i got cleared the doctor surprisingly cleared me to like run and start working out and in the visit i remember sitting in the visit in jackson kind of just like not really thinking about it at that point like if i would ever play ball again i just was hoping i could start to like you know how it feels to exercise and just get out of the chair so and i kind of just asked him kidding around like you know what his thoughts were if i could play you know get out there and start hitting or taking ground balls just for fun and he didn't know i was kidding and he was just kind of like i don't see why you couldn't you know take some ground balls and, or whatever you know he, he wasn't a big baseball guy or anything but um you know he kind of said that he didn't see and i and it kind at that point i'm like wait you know I, I didn't realize that that was even possible and so um <laughs> really over the next the end of the conference tournament and things i can't remember exact timetable but um i started to kind of get out there before the games and like just toss with mark mark waller was our trainer and just kind of like throw the ball a little bit my double vision had kind of was almost fully resolved at that point and able to kind of catch and just play catch and slowly just over the next bit started um playing not playing but just kind of uh swinging off the tee i'd go in the cage just goofing around and the season ended and you know it was kind of over and you know during all these during all this time I, I really started to think about like is this even possible for me to play again and so when we had our exit meetings after the season and that was you know y'all, y'all probably remember the tough season where you know we felt like we got left out we were like one of the last teams out going into a regional and so um that was hard for our team at that point but you know i had going into our exit meeting i feel like our coaches coach barry and coach kai just kind of explained you know, was, they were happy that I was getting better and, you know, kind of get somewhat back to a normal life and um, expecting kind of just to move on. Like I said, I was a senior that year. Obviously, I didn't play that season, so I had a red shirt because I didn't red, I hadn't redshirted yet. So in my mind, I'm like, OK, I'm going to ask for a spot back on the team. Like, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to see, you know, see why not. And I didn't figure I figured they probably couldn't tell me no. To be honest with you, they probably, I knew they probably let me be on the team. So um, I went in the exit meeting and just kind of said, hey, I hadn't redshirted and just kind of asked if they were able to give me a redshirt and let me be back on the team and see if I could come back and just see kind of what happened. Obviously, it kind of shocked them a little bit that I was, that, that I was kind of wanting to do that. So, um, you know, they let me back on the team. They, they kept me a spot. And that summer, I, really 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 every week I feel like I just got a lot better got my strength back got back to my normal weight I really started hitting in the cage started throwing and you know obviously everybody's kind of gone for the summer playing summer ball so a lot of this stuff I'm doing on my own um and I you know I'm not really no one's really like keeping a track of me to be honest with you like seeing how I'm doing I don't think anyone's expecting me to like actually contribute or play or anything um, just to kind of be on the team, to be honest with you. And so, and because I had to finish classes anyways. And so, but come towards the end of the fall, I'm like, I was really feeling good. I mean, obviously I still had deficits and I still do to this day. I mean, um, I'd say I'm probably 85% back. I mean, I still have some double vision when I look to the left and my face doesn't move 100% at all. Still have some trouble blinking. But overall, I, I've made a grip, you know, pretty much a full comeback or close to it and at that time you know I was able to kind of do all my normal stuff I was doing agility training one day on my own in my yard and just kind of doing different things and one day I planted to go back the other direction on some just like some agility training and tore my ACL and so that was kind of a uh, a back-breaking part of the story um, just when I was you know we were about to get back on campus and get started in the fall and you know I had no I had no expectations necessarily but 
this kind of obviously ruined it. I kind of knew I did it when I, I felt it pop and I knew something serious was going on. And so, like I said, that was towards August. And at that point, I thought it was over. Um, and I kind of talked with my parents. And at that point, like I said, we're not really on campus yet. And I'm not really you're not like in the swing of practice so you're not necessarily talking to the coaches every day and so when it when I kind of two days after it happened and I kind of like finally was like man this is actually is torn like it's it's not good I called Mark Waller our trainer and told him and you know I kind of I went and got an MRI and everything and um, they pretty much told me it was torn and you know playing on it was not really an option so I kind of either had to get surgery or just hang it up and so surgery obviously they told me it was going to be you know that's a, that's a pretty stiff recovery at least you know seven eight nine months at least and um so had the surgery and just kind of in my head i was like i'm coming back and it's it was august at that point so that put me back around march or april and i already missed the whole net the whole previous year with my head injury so I was very that was very kind of foolish of me to think but I was like I'm I'm gonna be back from March or April and like be you know be at least ready to somewhat go and you know I remember going in after tearing and telling coach Barry and them and they they all were obviously very upset and couldn't believe that this you know it happened and were expecting me kind of just to get surgery and hang it up but I, I kind of told him I said I, I'm I'm having surgery and I'm gonna rehab this thing as fast as I can and I'm gonna I want to be try to be ready for the season or at least halfway through the season so long story short I got had the surgery Dr. Lyon did my surgery at Southern Bone and Join and I kind of just kept to myself I knew people think I was crazy um, to be honest with you so I didn't even like speak it um, but every single day from day one of surgery I mean I grinded and Mark Waller our trainer was right there by my side I would be there at five o'clock in the morning in the pool in the workout room just working as hard as I could and and the, the ironic thing is I still hadn't even played a game of baseball since before my head injury so I didn't even know if I could see the, the ball correctly or even hit or anything I'm just rehabbing my knee and so two or three months into it I can start to kind of um, get back where I'm off crutches and I'm kind of able to walk and like kind of walk jog in a straight line and so I'm starting to throw with Mark in the field before practice and like I said no one's even really keeping up with me as far as like expecting me to be ready by any means, but I'm just having in my mind. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm all, I'm gonna let it, I'm not gonna let this stop me. And so we were, we worked hard all day, every day, you know, five, six, seven hours a day, just, just putting in the work. And I went home for Christmas that fall and I, I, had, I had really come a long way. I had rehabbed a good bit and I had started to kind of hit off the cage off one knee and things like that. And, tried to start picking up breaking balls and I'd go up to the field at at night and just look at 200 curveballs off the pitching machine just to like see if I could see again correctly and so over Christmas kept rehabbing and came back for January and Dr. Lyon cleared me to play and so at this point I had not played since the summer in the Cape Cod League so almost 18 months maybe even more maybe like more like 20 months um since I had played an organized game of baseball and so I remember the first first day back I started hitting in the cage and hitting bat in practice and this is January you know how quick the season starts when you come back from Christmas so it's all happens pretty fast when you get back on campus and so we have multiple inner squads and I and I played in the first inner squad and I had no idea how it was going to be I was very nervous and I remember my first at bat, I hit like a hard ground ball to shortstop. And I remember like I was just shocked myself. I was like, I cannot believe I just did that. I forgot even who we were playing, to be honest with you, but it was our first series. And on Sunday, uh, or I guess it was Saturday, actually, Saturday afternoon, because um, Sunday as I got my first start. But Saturday afternoon, I got I got to pinch hit. And that was my first at bat. So we were up, I think, you know, six to one or something like that late in the game. And um, Coach Barry called my name and I was kind of shocked, honestly. I did not think that I would be getting it this soon. And, but I mean, I had got some hits in inner squad. So it wasn't like a completely far fetched thing. I mean, I had 
shown in the inner squads that I was capable. Now, you know, was I at a peak level by no means, but, and so I got out there my first at bat and I was just like, man, I just hope I can keep it together. Cause I was very emotional and getting on deck and just kind of getting ready, you know, really the last year kind of just flashed before my eyes. I'm like, I can, I, I cannot believe that I, I'm here. And I was just so thankful for everybody along the way that helped make, make that happen. And just thankful for God, for the opportunity. And, um, so as I sat on deck and just kind of looked around at the stands, I don't think many people knew that I was on deck yet. Um, and so I saw a couple people though, like maybe, you know, see and that I recognized in the stands. And so I just kind of was pretty emotional and just kind of sat there and reflected. And, um, and then I kind of was like, all right, I got to get ready to hit, you know? So I started kind of like watch the last couple pitches. I forgot who was hitting in front of me. And then, you know, the game or it was my turn to bat and they called my name and hearing my name on the PA announcement. And then, you know, the whole stand stood up, had a standing ovation and just having that reaction and able to take a moment and just kind of look throughout the roost and back scan back to, and kind of make eye contact with people. But, you know, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty good crowd there that night. And it, it was just very special. Obviously my parents were in the stands and, you know, seeing them was the first people I looked at. And um, it was just such a surreal moment that I didn't know if I was going to be able to get together to even like touch the baseball. So I was like, okay, I can't embarrass myself out here after all that. So um, the first, I had so much jitters though, because I was just like, man, I, I just can't believe I'm actually playing division one baseball again. Like it just couldn't, couldn't wrap my head around it. So you know, the first pitch came and I was definitely taking it. I took it for a strike and I, I couldn't swing at that moment. I was still too kind of amped up. And throughout the bat, it was just funny because I fouled off a pitch. Um, really, I think I worked it to a 3-2 count. Um, and then I think I fouled off another pitch. And so I had it. I had like a seven, seven pitch at bat. And then the last pitch was, you know, a couple inches off the plate for ball four. And um, so I walked my first at bat. It's just ironic you know, with my vision, double vision, that my first at bat was a walk. But, you know, it, it gave me confidence there. I got down to first and Coach Kai obviously gave me a big hug. And um, the umpire, I don't think, really knew what was going on. And Coach Kai was just like, you're just going to have to ask us about it later or whatever is too much. So um, that was the first moment, I guess, that it had really sunk in that, like, you know, I could not I'm, – I'm happy to be back and all that was great, but, like, you know the competitor in me is like man i can help this team like i can contribute to this team and actually like not it not just be a story like this is actually something i can do and so that was that was a cool uh, obviously a really cool day and the next day i got to start um and so that was really awesome as well and so you know that just showed and that showed that right there that um i think i got another bat that game but yeah, Coach Barry put me in the starting line at the next game on Sunday. And so I was like, wow, this is actually happening. So, you know, during this whole process, I know I said that no one was really keeping tabs on me, but all my teammates and coaches were so supportive of me. Um, you know, they were all always, you know, checking up on me. My teammates were right there, you know, pushing me and motivating me to during both of my rehab of obviously my head injury and then my ACL injury. So um, seeing all of them like come out in front of the dugout, it was just like, I just love being back with my brothers again. And I, I love that I was a part of this team and able to contribute. And, you know, it's just so fun to, to have a goal at the beginning of the season and chase after it with your brothers. And I felt like, you know, them coming out was just kind of, wrapped it all up to kind of what baseball means for me and what they meant to me as teammates. So they were, they were so supportive of me. And I'm very thankful for all my relationships. After, you know, after that season, my senior year, you know, obviously we had a great run, uh, went to the Tallahassee regional and, and obviously it was a very fun, fun year for us to get us back in, back in the postseason. And, but obviously that was kind of the end for me, um, you know, as far as baseball goes so I had to kind of think about what I wanted to do next my brother was in medical school at the time um, and so he kind of he had always wanted to be a doctor and that was kind of always his goal my I did well in school and you know tried to have good grades and 
but you know I, obviously I was a baseball fanatic and really wanted to play professionally I knew that that was a very slim chance obviously uh, but that was still my goal you know as I entered college and then all the experience that I had kind of obviously changed that but I didn't really put too much I put so much thought into coming back to play that last year and so much energy into rehab and everything that I got to the end of the year. I'm like, all right, like this over now, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. So um, I took a year off and um, I coached with a little coached a little tournament team, worked at like a little surgical center. I had a couple of different jobs and um, just kind of figured out what I want to do and decided ultimately like just what I had gone through and everything that I wanted to pursue medicine. I know how impactful that the physicians were that kind of took care of me um, and how vulnerable that your patients are in those tough moments and how much you can be a light to them as a provider or a physician. And so I just thought that this, that was God speaking to me saying that, you know, this was his path for me. And, and so I decided to pursue medical school. And so uh, got on, went to Jackson to where I was actually in the ICU and started medical school. And at the time, I didn't really know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. I thought I may want to do like orthopedic surgery or something, um, just with my sports background. But obviously, you kind of get thrown into all the rotations and specialties. So um, it was it was really cool though. One a fun fact was my third year of medical school. You get to rotate through all of it. Like I said, and I was on neurosurgery for a month and I got to take a care of a patient that was in my neuro ICU room that I stayed in for a week. And so that was a very, very surreal, cool experience for me to do. Um, obviously kind of walking back through there as a medical student was, that's the first time I had been back there. So that was a very emotional thing. And then to know my patient that actually was in my specific room, that was kind of a, uh, emotional moment, but, um, finished med school. I'm now in my second year of residency. Um, I actually kind of have a little change. I, I started out doing OBGYN, um, delivering babies, doing C-sections, all the, all the nine yards. And I've now switched into sports medicine. So, um, our third year kind of got messed up with COVID, um, in medical school. When you do all your rotations, I didn't get to do my sports medicine rotation. So, um, I didn't really want to pick that. I did my OB rotation. I loved, I loved lots of things about OB, but like I said, we almost missed half our year as far as doing inpatient rotations because of COVID. So that was the first year hit. And so I kind of got to miss out on those experiences, but um, ultimately chose OB and then did it for a year and just kind of realized that my passion was with sports medicine and working with athletes and, and doing that. And so, you know, I'm, my life is run off passion and I realized real quick that I wanted to pursue something that that I was passionate about and kind of wake up every day and like know that's my purpose and so um, I realized at that point that I needed to make a change so so now I'm in my second year of residency here in, uh, at UMC so pursuing sports medicine. You know we only see our immediate kind of situation and circumstances and God sees the big picture and so obviously that was the worst experience in my life to kind of go through but I promise you I wouldn't change a thing it's it's grown me more than anything else could have ever grown me and um, we can't see that at the time so it's just such a wonderful lesson that's going to happen to all of us we all have our different struggles and circumstances we all have trials they're just different types but we all have the same ones and um, it's just such a such a good good opportunity and something that even going through that I still fail daily at remembering that I still get so short-sighted of you know getting so caught up in what's happening you know it, at, at, to me in the moment versus kind of stepping back and be able to say okay how how can I grow from this and God can see like I said 20 million steps in front of you so who else to want to navigate your past in him and so just perspective and so it's it's such a humbling experience and something that i have to keep working on every day I, i'm still still challenged by it and um, still fail at it every single day and so we just have to keep striving to kind of have that perspective 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit everydayeaglespodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles podcast. Let's go!